I Google offensive baby onesies. <laughs> this is Tall Can Audio. What's happening, everybody? Away we go on an all-new episode of the Tall Can Audio Studio of the Tall Can Audio Podcast from the Tall Can Audio Studio. We're nine seconds in here. I've already botched the show. That's the kind of day it's been. That's not even a record for you. It's not even close to the record, no. <laughs> that's the kind of day it's been, and so that's the kind of guest it's going to be. Chris Hoffley's here. What's happening, man? I don't know how to take that. No. I'm going to choose to take it as a compliment. Oh. But it's 5 3 p.m. on a Wednesday, and I'm having my first beer with you, and that, like, that's a pretty good deal. I don't know if I really like you lying to the audience right out of the gate. (laughs) (laughs) This actually is my first beer with you. Mm. Okay. I have one ready to go for the second beer with you. That's fair enough. Okay. I thought we were, yeah. I've got one in the chamber. Yeah, as you do when you do a show like this, you kind of have to be prepared for uh, for things to roll out. We're on social media at Tall Can Audio. There are now far too many social media places for me to list them all. You know them. There's a good chance we're there at Tall Can Audio. Some of them being used, some of them not. Uh, he is on X. No. Nope. We're calling it Twitter, yes, so I'm, I'm, I think that's fair. <laughs> I, I die on many hills, I'll be in the but I, this is definitely one that I'm going <laughs> to die on. I'm just not giving that fucking guy the satisfaction of calling it X and a zeet is that we're supposed to call a tweet now like no chance a re-zeet a quote zeet bad marketing man it's just anyway yeah i'm gonna take this off into a whole other direction that's okay because i've done that that a couple times on the pod lately just buying something for 44 billion dollars and flushing its name recognition i don't understand (laughs) it like it seems like at first, I was like, oh, is this the best troll of all time? Like, no, it's the worst troll ever. Like, it's not even clever. It's just, no. like, rich guy flexing in, like, the dumbest way possible. Yeah. So. So that's fun. That's fun. Anyway, You're I'm on Twitter. On Twitter. <laughs> at Chris Hoffley. On Instagram, at Hoff on Sports. Are you, are you a blue sky guy? Have you got the invite? I, yeah. I don't think I got the invite. I applied for it at some mm. point, but maybe I should check. I got an invite. It's a pretty yeah. exclusive club. Oh, like, yeah. You would get it before me. <laughs> Whatever, I'm still verified on Instagram. I don't have to pay for it yet. Right, so. okay. Um, so, uh, yeah, you can check him out in all those places. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast, wherever you are, Spotify, Google Pods, Apple Podcasts. Uh, wherever you're hearing us right now, there's a follow button, there's a subscribe button. You should you should hit that button. It's a lot of instructions. I got things to tell these people, man. People need to fall in line, do what I say. And, uh, Here's Matt's home address. Come watch <laughs> us do this in person. <laughs> Watch him bungle it right out of the sheet. I don't remember what it is. Yeah. Uh, so, you've referenced. Uh, you got, already got a beer in hand. What did you? Uh, what did you choose? Well, I reached into the uh, Matt Robinson fridge of destiny <laughs> as I walk. I didn't. I barely even said hi to Matt. I'm just like <laughs> right for the fridge. Hoff I, is comfortable here. I man. know. He knows the drill. I know the drill at this yeah. point. So I um, I started with the Cowbell Brewing Company's Absent Landlord Kolsch Ale. Right. Which is very actually very good. I love yeah, a cold nice shale. Beer, yeah. Well, and Cowbell, they don't miss very often. Like, they make a lot of really good stuff. Yeah. No, it's an absent landlord's a funny name for a yeah, beer. For sure. And you know I'm a sucker for a good beer name. <laughs> I actually was in Cologne, Germany a few years back, and that's the birthplace of the Kolsch Ale. Yep. And it was – the city was kind of mad. I wasn't really, like, a huge fan of hmm. the city overall. I just didn't – I didn't feel like it had a lot to offer. Sure. Other than, like, a bunch of old cathedrals and whatever. But they're Kolsch. When you go to these restaurants, like these old 
beer halls. Yeah. You get your food and they give you a little one of those like little small glasses and they keep filling it with Kolsch as you as you finish it and they tick it with a pencil on your coaster for everyone that you have. And if you don't want them to keep refilling it, you have to put your coaster on your beer. Oh. So if you forget to put your coaster on your beer, those little glasses of beer add up pretty fast. But it's a great way to experience the uh, (laughs) – anyway, that's your history lesson on Cole Shale. Is it possible you didn't like Cologne because you were just entirely hungover like the entire visit or – Could have been. Yeah. Because it feels like that's a – I don't know what it would take for me to finally – put my coaster on top of my beer right like just no keep no, bringing it just coming i'm like oh, is this free no it's not no it's okay. not free. Oh, those are, that's a lot of pencil ticks <laughs> mm. yeah fair enough uh i've got one here that i picked up back at the beginning of the summer and it's sort of got pushed to the back of the fridge i think i've had it before i know i've been to this brewery a bunch of times before this is the Fenelon falls brewing company they're uh kawartha summer ale Ooh. an american pale ale coming in about 4.8 percent as hoff said it's it's only about five o'clock on a Wednesday, so just easing in. Let's just take her easy here. Yeah, I, I mentioned to you before we started the show that I had a buddy over last night that I hadn't seen in a few years, and we really only do typically see each other once a year. And so that ran late, and so I don't know that I need anything too crazy here as we uh, as roll through another evening. But Matt's feeling a little rough. It's a little hair of the dog here. Exactly. I was telling him. Oh, Matt's having a. Uh... Beer malfunction here. Let me narrate. It's gotten a little bit on him as it foamed out of the can. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's making do with what he's got here. Oh, no, he's he's recovered. He's a little damp. Though. <laughs> he's a little <laughs> got a wet t-shirt. If this was TV, on. you'd have to mm-hmm. take a pause and change. But it's not. Thank God. Yeah. No. This is a a face for radio kind of studio. It's still trying to foam back up and out, man. This is uh, a <laughs> what is. I'm not just one of those that. gag beers. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, I don't even remember what the this hell This is a really good now. start, even for us. Honest to Christ. Uh, it's a good brewery. I've already drank half of this beer because it wouldn't stop foaming. And His shirt had drank to, the other half. I so. had to go somewhere, yeah. So uh, we're off and running on that. 4.8%. Nice and easy here, I, I would have thought. <laughs> Thank you. That was the plan. It seemed the way you opened that beer, it looks like you've had seven of them already. So. <laughs> You've got to have those people in your life, though, man. Eh? Like, I'm sure you have them, too. Like, you, you don't see them for, like, three, four years, maybe. And as soon as you sit down, it's like you never missed a fucking beat, eh? You just oh, 100%. Those up. are the best best people to know. Yeah. And it's like you, the entire night is, like, remembering the last night that you're, <laughs> like, you're just reminiscing over old shit. Like, this was someone I went to high school with. Remember that time in the 10th grade? Where, right. Yeah. All right. Well, I thought you might have some more. No, I was, just, I, I was just... <laughs> This is going really good. <laughs> oh, my God. I was just trying to, like, give you an opening give me and, some like, space. how your no. conversation went. But, no, but all that's right. all it was. It's just sort of like, yeah, remember when? Hey, remember that time? And then you start throwing names back and forth, and you're like, holy shit. I, I haven't thought of that person in, like, I forgot they existed, and yet, to your buddy, that was, like, a prominent name. Whether it was someone you used to bust on or used to bust on you or, or whatever, right? But... I, I, he dropped two or three names last night that I was like, fuck, I forgot that person Those ever people like completely departed my <laughs> subconscious. Exactly, man. So, good time though, man. Wrapped up at 1.30 in the morning and it could have been worse. The last time he was up, it wrapped up at 4.30 in the morning. And he had a... I have a hard time with late nights like that. christening to go to oh. at 10 o'clock that morning. I was sort of like, he looked... It might have been a little later than 4.30, not a lot later, but... I used to live on the ground floor at an apartment building that I was on over on Meadowlands. 
and it wasn't a particularly nice neighborhood. And so just because of the ground level and whatever, everything else was going, I had these big blackout curtains in my dining room that faced out onto Meadowlands Drive. And so you don't have any clue what time it is as you're sitting there. And I don't know how we lost track of time quite so bad, but at some point he leaned back and pulled the curtains back and the sun was coming up and he's like, oh no, (laughs) I have a thing. One of those like vampire moments where it's like, oh, natural light. (laughs) I have a thing and it's a fancy thing and it's a thing my mom's going to be (laughs) There's nothing like going into a church for a christening, just like reeking of booze. Still miserable. Like I'm barely allowed to cross the threshold of the church as it is, but like... I don't think I'm doing myself any favors in the afterlife if I just go in there. No, perhaps not. Into one. <laughs> so we met, to me, this was a victory. This was us tame, right? Like we've both crossed 40 years old now. That's going, shutting it down at, at 1.30 on a Tuesday night. That was us being responsible. I was pretty proud of us. I feel like just being a tiny bit hungover in church will make, just because <laughs> you're in church, you're going to feel like eight times more hungover. There's, yeah, no, there's some shame involved oh, there. Yes. Like, there's a lot of things going on. I grew up Catholic. It's mostly shame. <laughs> um, look, I, I wanted to talk to you about a few different things. Uh, obviously, the Red Blacks are... Oh, we're actually going to get to some topics. We may, <laughs> we may do that. Matt also usually tells me what we're going to talk about ahead of time, and he did not this time. Nah. So we're just, I'm going in blind. I want to uh, talk to you also about, uh, you know, we're not too far off from the start of uh, camp for the 67s. Uh, a couple other things, but but what have you been up to, man? It's been a couple of months since you were here. What's what's happening outside of work? What's what's new in the world of Hoff this summer, man? Where have you been spending your... Uh... Well, work mostly. That's yeah. why it, my friends know and that my family knows that trying to pin me down for any kind of anything during the summer is a bit of a moving target. And I typically only come knocking maybe twice at most during the season. I'll knock like once a month in the off season and try and get you in here. But I, uh, you're, you're a harder guy to track down yeah, the during ske- the CFL. The season. schedule is a little bit more all encompassing, <laughs> yeah. encompassing. Everything's a little bit more fluid. I'm on the road a bit. And right. so, um, yeah, so mostly, mostly been doing the work thing, but, um, you know, I, I like summers in Ottawa. I'm fortunate to have most of my like immediate family here. So a right. little bit of time with the parents. Uh, my brother lives really close to me, and he and my sister-in-law are expecting their first baby, oh, my nice. first niece or nephew. Really? I keep saying nephew, so I think subconsciously I think it's a boy. They're not finding out because they're stupid. <laughs> um, it's driving the rest of us crazy, as if it matters that much. But we're like, I don't like unknown things. Yeah, okay. Um, and I don't think this is like, I don't think this is something the family votes on though. No, as it turns out, we do not, not get a choice in the matter though. I think my brother is like almost cracked a couple of times and, and my sister-in-law is like, nope, nope, we're not standing true. strong. Um, so I'm pretty fired up about that. That'll be sometime. How many yeah. siblings do you have? I, I have a bunch. Okay. Um, I have a brother who's my like full brother yep. who's a couple years younger than me. He's a lawyer. So he went in a logical direction in the family and made everyone very proud. <laughs> um, I was the idiot. There's like journalism. <laughs> um, and then I have a, I have a tw- almost 21 year old half sister. Okay. Um, who's awesome. And she stresses me out more than anybody because <laughs> she's 21 and yeah. my sister and, yeah. Um, I understand about half of what she says. Everything's in an acronym or <laughs> some kind of expression. And yep. so she keeps me current and makes fun of me when I don't understand things that don't make any sense. So, <laughs> um, and I have, uh, identical twin 12 year old stepsisters. Okay. See, so this, it's not crazy that there's no kids, nieces or nephews yet. Like your, most of your siblings are still pretty young. Well, right? though, well, like my, 
my, my newer siblings. <laughs> yeah, my, my step siblings. You know, yeah. God bless my father. I love him. We're very close. But he's you know a couple times over uh, brought some new new kids into the <laughs> sure. fold. Yeah, okay. Um, and so he had my my half sister. You know when when you know 20 21 years ago and yeah. um he's got uh he's got a partner now with two who brought along two awesome awesome twins and twins are hilarious they're very identical and they're <laughs> uh you know 12 year old girls so they're a lot of energy a lot yeah. of talking a lot of yep um, so yeah, it's, it's fun it's fun yeah. man it keeps you keeps you young my dad is always i think stressed out and exhausted but um yeah, it's we've got a cool family and everyone's gets along and right. Uh, even, even my time. mom, my my dad's, you know, my my parents split up when I was when I was really young, but have always been tight and good friends. So um, we all of us see each other a lot. We're, we're like a weird kind of that. It's so strange to me that family like who are capable of that after splitting up and still remaining, you know, reasonably. Yeah, I'm a bad people like have asked me over the years like. Because they've had, you know, people who've had bad experience with divorce parents yeah, yeah. being like, well, how'd you handle this? Like, I don't know. My mom used to come over to my dad's for Christmas if they were both single and just, you know, yeah. we do it that way. Like, so it was always very uh, easy on us. Okay. See, I, I and I think I, it's because I view the world through my own little lens and I'm a fairly vindictive person. And if, oh, yeah. If, and if, if you've hurt me, I don't want to see you anymore. Right? And, like, I'm, yeah. and I'm cynical as shit, too. Yeah, so yeah. I assume that stuff never works. But for whatever reason in our in our group, it's... So you're you going to be an Uncle Hoff, though. I'm going to be Uncle Hoff. That's I'm already... Awesome. Uh, when's... I go to Amazon now. I Google offensive baby onesies <laughs> and just like pick, <laughs> like periodically order different ones. And so... Offensive uh, baby onesies. Yeah. There's one that's just like a picture of a sperm that's just... And then it says daddy's best swimmer on the front. So I don't know how many of these are going to actually ever get worn by the poor child. But, um, you know, mommy's a lot more fun now that she can drink again. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Okay. I'm already going to, if you think I'm cute, you should see my uncle. Seemed like an obvious one. Yeah. <laughs> You're going to have to have that made. Though. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't, they don't, those don't exist. So yes, uh, I'm so going to be. Is that uh, the term you came up with or is that like a Google suggestion as you're typing in baby onesies? They're like, hey, maybe you meant offensive baby No, no I've literally gone to Amazon. No, because I wanted offensive baby. Yeah. I wanted, the, you know, it's me. Um, yes. So like I'm, yeah, I, I'm literally looking for like a soother, like with a like soother has a mustache on it for the baby, and like, <laughs> like I don't know if they have like I don't know if they have baby bottles shaped like bongs, but if they yeah, do, okay. I'm gonna find one. So that's yeah. where I'm at. Also, I don't have my own kids, probably. Yeah, yeah. But um, Uncle Hoff. Yeah, I'm really excited. Long story short, really excited to be uh, an uncle. I don't when know if my happen? brother feels the same way, but yeah. Um, end of November. Early December. Okay. So yeah, coming up on it, man. Yeah, uh, I have uh, someone in my in our family who has two wonderful kids. At uh, you know, the youngest is is five now, and I think he thought he was done, and it turns out he's not done. Wow! And there is another little bundle of joy coming in September, and ever since then, I'm not really sure I've ever seen him. Like it hasn't started yet, and he looks tired now. Just, like, think, just, just thinking knowing about it what's is exhausting. Coming. Yeah. So, like, they're happy. They're, but also, I really thought that part of our lives was over. And it turns out, man, no, not so much. Hats off to the parents out there. My dog makes me tired. Like, just like making sure the dog doesn't die. Sure, day to day basis. Of him in a day. <laughs> the senior wiener. Yeah. His daily attempts to jump on the couch or whatever the I have a I have a fifteen year old wiener dog for those of you uh, <laughs> following along at home. I don't know why you would be at this point in the show, but <laughs> right. um, kudos if you're still here. <laughs> so, 
yeah, no, your uh, your dog, man, well uh, well documented on on Instagram. You got if you have an old wiener dog, you gotta you know. <laughs> I'm not very mature, as you may have noticed. So have like noticed the jokes that. just are just yeah. right there. Uh, I wanted to get to a story that I don't know if uh, if you'll have been on top of or not. I know you're sort of you know half in out on baseball, not really not really your thing. The Baltimore Orioles made some news this week. Did you? I was actually a, f- a f- all-star little league first baseman back in my day. First so. base where they put the weakest defensive player. Yeah, but I could catch all the things. All of them. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Would it like take me down a peg? <laughs> Did you think I was a pitcher? <laughs> Sitting there on Amazon, offensive baseball sweaters. But yes, the. The yeah. Orioles, the, the, did, have you seen this story? Yes. Because I'm going to play the audio for the audience. I wasn't sure whether you would have heard it or not. And essentially what's happened is the Baltimore Orioles have suspended their play-by-play guy for, it looks like he'll be back on Friday. Um, it was asinine. It really is. And Lever Sage was in here a week ago, and he brought up at the time this idea that more and more pro teams are bringing their broadcasts in-house and then selling that to the networks who might want to broadcast our game. So here in Ottawa, the Red Blacks or the Senators or whatever, they are uh, like TSN bids for the rights and then TSN puts their people on it. The Ottawa Red Blacks do not employ their own play-by-play team. Neither do the Senators, neither do most Canadian uh, NHL teams and, and whatever else is going on, right? But it's becoming more and more common that the team will produce the broadcast, they'll have their own people, and then they'll put that up for sale to whatever channel might want to buy it and carry it. Well, it's not hard to see where that would begin to become problematic. You lose some objectivity when you know your boss is the same guy who's running the team and wants the team covered in a fairly positive way. So this happened before a game against the Tampa Bay Rays on the weekend. And uh, he was just sort of breaking down um, this guy's name. I I don't know if I've mentioned yet. Kevin Brown, the play-by-play guy for the Orioles. He was sort of breaking down, teeing up the game before it started uh, against Tampa with a big graphic on the screen that we should probably talk about afterwards as well. But here's what he said. I'll encourage you to look for yourself to find the offensive part. For the Orioles, Brandon Hyde has felt like this has been maybe the toughest ballpark to play in. But the Orioles have a chance to do something special today. They've already clinched at least a split in the series, winning two of the first three. And they could pick up a series win behind Tyler Wells today. It's been a minute. The Orioles split a two-gamer with the Rays in June. They had lost their last 15 series here at Tropicana Field. You have to go back to when our now colleague Brad Brock picked up the win in the series finale June 25th, 2017, the last time the Orioles won a series here at St. Pete. Already got three and two of the Trop this year after winning three of 18. The previous three years combined. It is a stark difference, Ben, and it is not a bad Rays team. It's not like all of a sudden the no. Rays uh, became slouches in the American League East. They've led this division every day, but now two, and the Orioles once again are back alone in first place. Yeah. Did you find it? It's okay if you didn't. I'm horrified. <laughs> De- so deeply offended. The man uh, did nothing but read out statistics. Literally we had, you know, the didn't, Orioles. There didn't. wasn't a tiny bit even of opinion. In no, there. the Orioles hadn't done so good in previous years in Tampa. Blue Jay fa- uh, fans can relate to that feeling a little bit. The house of horrors for them. And then this year, 
hey, look, they're suddenly winning in Tampa. And the Baltimore Orioles are in first place in the American League East right now. Like, they're having a hell of a season. And the owner went, I guess that was too far over the line and suspended this guy for pointing out that they'd lost some games in Tampa. Yeah, it's uh, it's an unbelievable decision and one I'm sure that they internally, which they'll never admit, I think they probably know they ate one on this one because yeah. it's just, it doesn't make any sense. And I understand the concept of bringing broadcasts in houses, again, like you said, it's growing and part of that is, you know, T- like media in general, TV, radio, it's just there's fewer opportunities. Stations are closing in, mm-hmm. in a lot of cities. And yep. so I, I see that, you know, the the logic of bringing a uh, broadcast in-house like that makes sense to me. And a lot of places do it and a lot of places do it well. But if you're going to do that, your people have – you have to treat the like the people that are doing it basically like they're media. Yeah. And like, you know, like we – you know, AJ, Jackie Beck, and Jeff Avery don't work for us. Right. But they're, you know, kind of part of the the wider umbrella of of the Red Blacks through TSN twelve hundred, sure. and they're, but and so they're, you know, they can say, you know, they they call it as they see it, and mm-hmm. I think if you ever got to a situation where like, hypothetically with us with that kind of you know internal thing, you'd have to make it be the same thing because nobody wants to listen to. An infomercial? An infomercial, <laughs> like just like the biggest opportunity for homerism. Like you just, you know, someone like AJ, because I, I work with AJ so close, so I'm going to keep using him as, a, as an example, but yeah. he's so good at what he does that you like, you don't want to handcuff that ever, ever. And, but like, this is even beyond that. Like this guy literally said nothing out of line other than pointing out statistics that would be, that are relevant, that people... W- like, he didn't even say they've been woeful at the trop, which they had. You know what they had, and it's also like, it was it like, was, a, it's like they've gotten better, like, the whole point the, is that they've yeah, got, like, things are getting we're better. We're not getting crushed here this year. This is awesome. So I think, in, you know, and that's it, like, yeah, if you're if you're paying for the broadcast and it's your in-house thing, sure, you're gonna, you know, any organization's gonna want a, a certain level of kind of editorial control over yeah, it, yeah. but... I don't know who, like, the, the way they handled this. Like, if you didn't, if you were that pissed off about it, you pull the guy aside internally, you mm-hmm. tell him whatever, you know, whatever they were going to tell him was going to be ridiculous because this was like, just like a non issue. But, yeah. like, you don't <laughs> just kind of unilaterally suspend the guy, well, and- which is going to ultimately, and it has, get them just a shitload of bad press. That well, I want to bring like, that up just, in a second. Yeah, because they're getting roasted Why distract? Why now? distract everyone from the... Like, from our first place team. While the guy was just trying to point out that they're getting, you know, that things are good. Yes. Um, the other thing that is interesting here, I want to circle back to the fact that while he's talking, there is a graphic on screen with all the same information. This guy's not flying off the handle. This is a pre-produced. He wasn't the one that made the graphic. He was not the one who made the graphic. This was predetermined. We're going to talk about this. There's a director. There's producers. There's a graphics designer. And frankly, still, none of these people deserve to be suspended either. It's legitimate commentary that, hey, we've been getting crushed at in Tampa and now we're not. That shouldn't be offensive to anybody. But how does this guy, as the one who's standing there with his voice tied to it, have to be suspended and no one else involved in the pre-production in the graphics again i don't think any of them should be but how does just one guy get hung out on like there's, i don't know but i would like i would, qu- I would there, quit right? my job if i was if i was him like it's just that's the ultimate kind of slap in the face for you know someone who like clearly knows what he's doing yeah. and is doing it you know the way like it looks like a you know what you expect of a baseball broadcast and, yeah um, you know, who knows what went on behind the scenes, who knows what kind of rules he was under already that he 
you know, allegedly made it. a violation. It feels to me like, like this guy, the owner there, Angelos in Baltimore, was already pissed at this guy for something and was just waiting for I have a hard more. time believing this was like the only thing that like yeah. stuck in his craw and was like, that's, that's it. And so as you referenced, this has now become a thing. Instead of just letting that fairly inane commentary go across your your broadcast and then just letting it go, you suspended him. And now play-by-play guys, commentators, media types from across baseball are all digging in going, what is this? Look at this thin-skinned asshole, right? Well, yeah, owns like, the I, team. I mean, listen, I'm, I'm a PR guy, right? Like, That's why I wanted like, to talk it about makes it. Me, it makes me nuts when, you know, shitty PR is going to happen no matter what you do. And, like, there's going to be stuff that you can't avoid becoming a thing. It's like the most avoidable thing ever. Right. Like, there's just no reason... Which is again to your point, like there has to have, there has to be something else going on because there's no reason you would subject your organization to that amount yeah. of scrutiny and anger for something that was so innocuous. Yeah, just just because. I, I mean, if you're if if they was just like they just did it and didn't think of the repercussions, and that's the most weirdly naive thing ever. So I, I can't. That's imagine what this that's feels what like is, but. one thin-skinned owner at the top who said that bugged me or something else bugged me, and I'm going to use this now as the the trigger, but you've got play-by-play guys from the White Sox and the Yankees and the Red Sox and the Angels and the Astros and, and the Blue Jays and what, all now talking about your organization, and instead of talking about you being in first place, they're talking about you being a joke. Yeah, and if you want to keep people, like, in, like you want to keep bringing in people to be part of your internal broadcast, like, yeah, how do you, how do you recruit people for that kind of thing? And they're like, well, okay, you're going to do this, but you're like under the following conditions. Right. Don't read pre-produced stat cards. <laughs> That oh, thing that, on that may the be screen. the only one. <laughs> I, how would you say anything now? Like when you come back in on Saturday, I don't even know who the Orioles are playing. Maybe they're, you know, at Yankee Stadium and they just put up on the screen that you're 500 in your last 10 against New York. I don't know if that's true or not. I'm just going to ignore that. Uh, ball three. Uh, down here. <laughs> I don't even know how I do my job under these circumstances. And this is the danger, right? You've worked in the media and you've worked on the team PR side of moving things in-house. There has to be some objectivity. This can't be a three-hour infomercial because sports fans at this point are too smart. They're getting information on Twitter. They're checking the fancy stat websites. They're listening to sports talk radio or podcasts. You can't tell them everything's great if it's not, right? Like you used AJ as an example. There was a controversial moment there in the last Red Blacks game where they kicked a a field goal from the one-yard line late. AJ has to be able to say, ah, I don't know if that's what I would have done, but he can't go crazy either because he's the guy who's going to go down and interview people. Like if he stands there and just roasts people and is completely there's, unfair there's about it. There's a balance. Yeah. And and I would expect someone like him or anyone else to have that balance, whether or not they're part of an internal or external right. broadcast. It's certainly easier when you're not employed by the team. Sure. But if you're like, it's a newer thing. So I just think when any team does that, you have to do it in a way like you're never going to get me to do the broadcast of the Red Blacks because it's like <laughs> you're never, I'm never going to be unbiased about them. So you you find, you know, if you go down that road, you find people that can do that from a media kind of perspective. Yeah. Well, you know, while it's a produced team thing or whatever, but like the it's other, not that there's no value in 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 house produced stuff. Like we've seen what Josh has done for you guys with the behind the R series. 100%. There's some brutally honest moments in that that you know a lot of teams wouldn't allow to go out there. So it can be done well, but you got to know that 
fans coming in to a, a broadcast they know is being produced in-house are already going to be a little sensitive to what am I getting here? And if you start, you know, taking out the ability to just say, I don't know, that was a questionable rate, uh, base running decision or, you know, I, I wouldn't have kicked that field goal. I think they should have went for it there or whatever. You have to, you know, you got it. You ha- you, there's someone that's got to be speaking to the fans who are asking those questions in those moments. You just have to be able to lay it out in a way that has no real, like, opinion on one way or the other. Like, call the game. I don't know. See, provide I want, some I want call. The no, you want you want some of the you no, you want the opinion. But like when it comes to like the play by play guy, you want him to call the game yes. and get fired up about stuff one way or the other. Yeah, you don't want you know you don't want your play by like even if they're external guys, you don't want them you know shitting on the team in a in a way that's. Well, as a fan, I don't even want that either. No, right? like, so even uh, but that's what I mean. Season, there's a you li- can't be constantly negative. There's a line yes, and there's there a is, balance there and there's you know the good ones get it yeah. and um, you can you can inject some opinion and like educated opinion and you can analyze what's going on without you know without worrying about your about your job and this is clearly not the case with this particular no story that we're talking about but yeah you have to give those guys some leeway leeway because like that's what fans want that's like you want people to analyze the game the way they see it the good ones and you you can't handcuff them well well that uh, you know large percentage of our listenership based here in in Ottawa and and watching the Red Blacks on Sunday and that that field goal on the one yard line is a great example of I want Jeff Avery and AJ Jackie to debate that mm-hmm. lay it out and go yeah well here's why you'd go for it here's why maybe you kick it instead the defense has maybe been better than the offense today so I'm going to trust them like that debate is why you're here you're the experts you're calling the game you're explaining to me what's happening it's and, never as black and white as the average pure person watching it Right. Thinks it is. And so to have those guys with their, you know, Jeff played the game, AJ's been around it for forever and knows it well, as good as well as anyone. in that moment, like I'll say to you, because, you know, who, I'm just another fan, right? In that moment, at that time, and this is sort of going against the grain, and obviously because now in hindsight we know they lost, it's easier. But in that moment, I kind of went exactly what I just said. I don't mind the field goal here because the D's been very good and the offense has struggled today. If I'm going to trust one of those two to win this game for me right now, I'm going to trust the D. Now, it didn't work out. They Saskatchewan comes back down the field, puts up some more points, and now all of a sudden you're done. And it's easy at that point to turn around and go, nah, no, you should have just went for it. Oh, yeah, it, the, right? the Monday morning quarterbacking is – and, like, listen, like, Bob Dice is, like, when it comes to football, a guy just knows the game so deeply and intimately that I'll never second-guess – a call he makes because there are so many options and out possible outcomes in those games. And yeah, sure. Like hindsight, whatever, like, yeah, but we were also, you know, in, in that game are, we weren't getting a great push on, you know, short, like, you know, second and third and yep. short and you needed to put points up. And so, you, and so you do, if you don't, th- and like, it was like, it was third and a yard and a half, which doesn't sound like a huge difference to third and a yard. But like, if you're not getting, you know, if you're not fully confident that you're going to get yeah. that push, then yeah, like, like get Trust the points. The and you know, who knows if we, you know, if they were getting good returns all night. And I know Bob spoke to that, and he wished he had kicked it to the other side of the field on the ensuing kickoff because yep. it, it went to the guy that was, you know, having a having a good return game, and he got into field goal position really fast. I mean, that's the game. Sure. It's, it's like, that's the kind of shit that I love about the CFL is that like in the last three minutes, things can go absolutely off the rails. Well, and that's the sometimes reason. it works out for you. Sometimes it doesn't. Oh, sure. It didn't this time, but, but um, in terms of the broadcast side of it, right in that moment, 
when I'm saying, yeah, I think I'm okay with the field goal here, there are people in my replies saying, no, I'd have done that. And this isn't one of those moments where they're crazy and I know I'm right. This is a reasonable debate we're having right now. Right. Like, what would you have done in that moment? Why would, you know, why'd you do this? I like this. And in a moment where you have literally seconds to make the call, too. Like, you're you're not sitting there debating it with your, you know, your buddy watching the game and, you know, coming up to a decision. Like, you're making the best decision to win the game. And, like, it was a two-point, like, we almost won the game. Like, it was was just, it was one of those games that – you, it was a that, weird, a bit of a weird one, and we couldn't really get the momentum we were looking for going. But again, it comes down to the last play, and it's, you know, I'll take that anytime over, you know, some of what we've seen. You know, the last couple of years or two, there were some ones that yeah, you weren't in. There were lots that we were in, but like this yep. team this year, to me, is just there's so much fight in this team that I'm not surprised they're coming down. Even the ones we lose are coming down to the wire because that's just you know this it's it's a good team and we're not getting all the bounces we like and God knows we've had some injury issues this season. Yes. But um, well, so know, we're going to get into a few of those different things. We're going to take a break here so I can grab another beer and wash the last one off of my hands and shirt and uh, and uh, I can refill it a little. So we'll be back in a second. Stay there. The teams are combining for under 19% shooting, and there's a throwaway. Morris into the crowd, spilled the beer. And will they cross the line? They do. Morris is dripping with beer. Past old style, some schlitz maybe, who knows. He's just soaked in beer, and the poor, and it's in the guy's hair. It's in the guy's hair. Your blood so with a three. No. Beer is every place. Some of Milwaukee's, the Miller highlight spilled on the floor. Uh, we'll zoom out a little bit on this most recent game because there's a lot going on around the Red Blacks I want to pick your brain on. But before we do, we got another uh, round of beers here. What'd you grow with this time, man? Yes. Well, this is a new one for me. This is the Locust British style IPA from the Kick and Push Brewing Company in Charbot Lake, Charbot Ontario. Lake. Yeah. Just going to craft that guy. The booming metropolis of Charbot Lake. Uh, Coming in at a nice, a reasonable 6, 6%. Yeah. They make some nice stuff. Um, you know, Charbot Lake, obviously, just a little 45 minutes or so west of here. Brewery's this tiny little house, basically. And uh, you walk in and they got a cooler over in one corner and one or two little tables and someone working behind the counter. But I've had a couple really, they make a really nice. I, Ooh, that's good. I'm struggling to remember what it's called. It's the MX something, but it's their uh, Mexican lager, right? Their cerveza. Oh, yeah. It's, it's gorgeous. The cerveza is big lately. Like a lot of places have I'm some kind of cerveza. that. Yeah. Man. Lately, yeah, this summer especially, a lot of the cervezas, the Mexican lagers. This is good. It has that like British I, British IPA kind of bitterness to it. And yeah. mm, that's good. Okay. I'm going to open this carefully. Try not to wear too much of it. Oh, he did that one like a normal person. Ish. <laughs> So we are blaming me for the last one, it seems. When in Rome. <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, this is from the Folly Brewing Company down in Toronto. Um, again, something that kind of got pushed to the back of the, the second fridge. Um, our friend, uh, Dr. Vicki Forster, was up sometime in February, March. I can't remember now. And she brought me some stuff from Toronto. She's been on the pod a bunch of times. Kind of helped us through the, the serious part of COVID and, you know, What's real? What's not? When should you actually be wearing a mask? All that stuff that we've clearly just flushed down and, and moved along. <laughs> we're, just, <yeah. laughs> we're over it. It's good for a bit. But uh, yeah. she brought me beer, so we like that. Um, this is their IPA coming in right around 6%. Uh, 
Not bad, man. We'll, we're turning up the volume just a little from the last one. Yeah. 4.8%, right? Second so, half of the show. Yeah. No, exactly. And I can tell you're ready to get out and gallop here. So I got to be ready to keep up right after a late night. So <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll have a beer here. We'll talk some red blacks. I want to get to the 67s here in a little bit as well, but it's been a fascinating season to watch, man. And I don't think a lot of us, uh, expected as fans that we weren't going to see Jeremiah Masoli for game one. He ends up being a little late, right? As he makes sure he's healthy. And then when he does get in there, he goes down. The team was already dealing with some injuries. Some of those are making their way back, but Devontae Dedman goes out. This has been a team that has been sort of really under the gun as far as injuries go. And some of them just dumb luck, right? I wonder what the vibes have been like around the uh, around the team here through the first, what are we, about a third of the way through at this point, I guess. Uh, you know, how's everybody taking it? Like, what's the frustration level been like? What's the excitement level been like bringing a guy like Dustin Crum in? Like, how are, how are things feeling around TD Place right now? Honestly, this it's one of the best groups I've worked with in the, this is my eighth season. And like, you know, going back to 2016, 2017, when we had that, you know, those guys, the Burrises and the Sinopolis and Ellingsons of the world. Yeah. This is right. This is right up there with, with those years for me. Like just the group is close. Um, guys are really, you know, just one of the kind of cool, ex- coolest examples of that is, and this, I believe this is a Jeremiah thing uh, going into this year, but we, the locker room has always been kind of set up the same way. Like, you know, the O-line's over you know on one side the quarterbacks and the running backs and the receivers are kind of on one side the defense is on the other like the back half of the room hmm. i'm gesturing with my hands as if anyone can see <laughs> this but they're all like they, they were always kind of grouped by position around the room and so this year they shook it up and so you know different guys were sitting next to different people position didn't matter so much it was just you know an, an effort to get guys to meet new people because like position groups the naturally team. yeah like yeah. position groups will typically kind of socialize and stick together and this seems to have had a really cool positive impact because the guys are really the guys are really close and it really you know it has that kind of family atmosphere that you want in a yeah. team yeah um yeah i mean shit yeah guys are frustrated like we it's been kind of up and down we've gotten a really went on a really great run a few games ago um and yeah it's you know if you're not winning it's not all going right so there's but you don't guys aren't moping the practice intensity is always really good and you know guys know that's and and dice will always say this to the guys like this is like he knows it's a good team he knows we're you know we're right there we've shown kind of flashes uh, this season of how good this team can be, and that you know, considering that we're starting our fourth quarter, you know, fourth quarterback in the first six games at yeah. one point, which was, I believe was a CFL record. So, yeah, not um, a record you want. To no, hold. and I've never seen. I mean, I've, I've seen I've seen team our team over the years have some injury issues, but this is this has been a bizarre bizarre year. And you know, you're not gonna you can't use this as, as an excuse because no one else cares, right? Um, so guys are keeping their heads up. In there. You could you, if you produced your own broadcast. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> but yeah, no guys are guys are right there. The intensity hasn't hasn't dropped off at all, and I think guys have this feeling that that you know better things are ahead and more wins are ahead, and we've put up some really exciting wins this year so far, and kind of got the monkey off our back of of having some tough luck at TD Place playing at home over the last couple yeah. of years. So. Um, like everything's kind of trending in the right direction. At the same time, you're you're rocking a, a quarterback like Dustin Crum, who I really can't say enough good things about as a player and as just a guy that I get to work with a lot now. I got to tell you, I'm over 
I'm over the puns. Yeah, I was over the puns after the first. I love the puns, but like uh, it was fun for a week. Yeah, I, I put up with it. The second week, now I, we're done. Yeah, the crumb no, back and no, the st- there's stop, only so many you can stop. do. And, and yeah. once they start to repeat, the, yeah. kind of the the things over, and it was fun. Like I mean, even like Dustin got a kick out of them too. So sure, I, like, I would send them to, him, and I think even he at one point was like, "Yeah, please stop." Yeah, <laughs> um, it was fun at first, but yeah, and as so, the internet does, we beat things to death. And and, and I got like the the thing about like starting a rookie quarterback especially in the long term like you know we're, we're doing now because of you know the <laughs> situation we yeah, find yeah. ourselves in is that you're going to have growing pains he's a really skilled quarterback and yep. you've seen the stuff he can do in the games that he's played so far but like he's a young guy he hasn't played in the cfl up to this point he hadn't played any kind of meaningful snaps up until jeremiah got hurt in hamilton and so yeah you're gonna have some ups and ups and downs the, the kid's learning the league he's learning the pace and he's you know he's he's building that kind of skill set, and you're and you're seeing what can happen. Guy when scares the right. hell out of me. Like Bunda and I were talking about this not too long. Like he's getting hammered. Yeah, I mean, and, <laughs> and we sort of talked about it. Like how much of it is the offensive line, and how much of it is just a kid who's taking an extra second to make his read and holding on to it a little too long. And man, when you're having this kind of quarterback luck over the last couple of years, my kid, like get rid of it. Like, well, that, I mean, that, again, to my point of like him being a young guy and kind of learning. You know, learning to get through his whole progression in this league, learning to see the open receivers. Yeah. Not, and you want a guy like that to use his feet because he can be so dangerous. But 100%. you don't want it to be that necessarily that f- first impulse. Yep. Um, you want to, and you want to keep other teams off balance, and you want to incorporate the quarterback runs because I mean he can do it. You've sure. seen what he can yeah, do yeah. on his feet. And then, and and you know, the coach has also said this: like, you, yeah, you want him to slide more and not take the big hits. But he's all he's been like that in college. He's a guy that is you know tremendously. You know, but do we have tough. anybody left? Oh, like, sure. If he, if, he, got, if he gets hurt, like, I don't. Dude, so, we've been through some quarterbacks. He'll, you know, he he gets up every single time. He's getting bad. You know, he he'll figure that out as he goes. Yeah, yeah. that you know the the right time to either throw the ball away or to slide. Yeah, or to dive. Take care of and, himself a little bit. I mean, I'm always scared of my quarterbacks getting hurt anyway. So like, I you know maybe I'm just used to it now. But he's he's got. And talking to you know our players, especially our receivers, they really really like him. And he's again, it's just one of those things that you're going to have some some highs and some lows with a a guy who's getting used to the league. And um, he's just he he's very even keeled, Dustin. And he's like, it's not too big for him. He doesn't get too low. He doesn't. He's yeah. when he talks to the media. He's very good and even keeled. Um, so from like personally, he's been he's been a dream and he's just a really nice guy and. I think you know there's a lot more to come from him because like he's going to be our, our our guy moving forward. Yeah. And well, and as you've said, like this season, the fan base seems to have taken a liking to him, and some of that is those in those early wins. They're not just wins; it's it's him making exciting plays at the end, right? To, to kind of, you know, I'm not saying he did this intentionally, right? But it centers yourself out, right? Like this young quarterback came in out of nowhere, made some crazy runs, and and uh, I want to ask you about a couple instances in particular. Can you take me through? the hour or two kind of around the Jeremiah Masoli injury because we'd all been waiting. I sort of referenced earlier. I think most fans thought he'd be ready for game one, but what the hell do we know? Um, it took an extra couple of weeks and we were all really excited to see him get in there and he didn't make it a half before he suffered a different injury and a really scary looking injury, right? When a guy goes down when no one's around him, right? It's not from a it's the hit. Worst, worst yeah. kind. And so you're looking at it going, oh, that's going to be bad, right? What What's happening just for someone like you who's a knows the man and 
but is also, you know, working for the team, the message here, how this is going to play out. The excitement of our number one quarterback, our guy is coming back in here. And by the end of the night, it's he's gone again. And we don't know for how long yet. Yeah, that was a tough one. Like it, like you said, just knowing the guy and the player that he that he is, like he's he's a tremendous dude, and his you know his family's awesome. They're always coming to practices, and they're just a really nice nice group of people, the Masolis. And um, you know, we knew like it, it became clear kind of after his last injury last year, and it was it was sidetracked. Like the, the injury itself had a you know kind of predetermined recovery time, but he got an infection. Yeah, while he was recovering, a pretty serious one. Then you know he landed back in the hospital for a bit, and so that just kind of pushed everything along a little bit. So when, I guess you know not in the room for those decisions, but I guess when, by the time we got to camp, it was, and and we we said that early on, like probably not going to be ready to go for yep. the opener, and we're going to take that you know follow the process they had in place with the with the doctors and the and the therapists and and everyone else to make sure that when he got back, it was you're you're putting him and the team in the best possible position. Um, of, of not pushing it along. So that, you know, that's, that's what you have to do, especially coming back from an injury and the complications like that. And then, yeah. you know, he gets back and he was, you know, he was practicing for a while and, you know, he was good. He looked great. Um, you know, he's one of those guys, like he's just the ultimate competitor, competitor to that guy. And, um, so yeah, like it was like, it was exciting going into that Hamilton game with him back. Um, Maybe in hindsight, it was almost too perfect. Like it was a year to the day of the original injury. He was yeah. playing against his old team. Um, the storylines were just, you know, yep. they were right there. And yeah, sure enough, you know, it's hard. It's hard to predict a thing like a blown Achilles. Um, and, and that's it. He's coming off an injury to one knee, and, and he ends up other. blowing out an ankle on yeah. the other side. And you just like, you, you can't you can't predict it. And Achilles are weird. Like you just all it takes is. And, you know, I've seen people, you know, saying like, you know, his recovery did, you know, was he weaker on this side because of, you know, the leg injury and like, no, it's, you know, sometimes shit just yeah. happens in a game. Yeah. You plant the wrong way, you push off the wrong way, the, you know, that the tendon pops. And I mean, I knew I was pretty sure right as soon as he went down what it was because I've seen guys drop from Achilles injuries before and it always kind of looks the same. Right. Um, and it's devastating. Like it's devastating to the guys on the bench. It's horrible for him. His his family was there uh, for the game, so that that was really tough. Sure. Um, and but like he's so like he's just he's an upbeat guy, and he was kind of consoling everyone else and pumping crumb up as he went back in there. And um, you know, it's a, it, it's a family that way for sure. But yeah, it's it's a gut punch, and it's not just because you're from a football standpoint, like that sucks too. You lose your, you know, your marquee quarterback, but just yep. knowing what he put in to getting to back, get back to that point, yeah. knowing what he's done in his career and, and knowing what he can do when he's healthy is just, you know, you just feel so like sports is so secondary at that point. Like sure. it's just, you, you just feel horrible for the guy. Cause it's, you know, again, an Achilles injury has a kind of set schedule for recovery yeah. and it's a, it's a longer haul and, um, you know, it is what it is, but he's been, he's back. He's, he had a surgery soon after he's been at practices, um, on his, you know, wheelie one leg scooter cart thing <laughs> that you, you kneel on. And he's, you know, talking to the quarterbacks, talking to the other guys and he's super upbeat and super, you know, just so you see guys over the years and in other sports who they have a season ending injury and they're just not around the team that much. Out, yeah. He's there, man. Like, and like guys like Deadman too, and like just pumping guys up and just being around it 
all the time um, is, a, is a huge love for the guys. So it sucks. You know, you never want to see your all-star guys go down. But no. um, we have this group that's just, you know, they. I hate the term next man, ma- next man up mentality because it's such a cliche, but it's really like in our situation, like you got right. to have the guys that are down pumping up the, the guys that are coming up and that's what's happening. So I think, you know, that's going to translate to more wins eventually. And it has, you know, we've, the season's been you know, a lot more exciting, more wind-filled than the previous one. And yeah. trending, you know, it doesn't always feel that way for fans. And you drop a game that, you you know, they feel that you probably shouldn't have dropped. But that's certainly trending in the right direction. Well, so let's move forward then to a game against Winnipeg. Perhaps, you know, until proven otherwise, the class of the league. Uh, the Argos obviously making a, attempting to make a claim to that. We'll, we'll see. But the, the Bombers come in to play the Red Blacks as prohibitive favorites. And they might have been anyway, and now you have whatever you want, your fourth, fifth string quarterback in there, and everybody's like, oh, God, like let's just not get embarrassed, I think is what I saw a lot of the fan base talking about on Twitter. And no, no one was putting money on us in that no. one, for sure. And as it started out, it looked like that was the correct assumption was to have not put money on Ottawa. Bit of a slow start. And then it starts to, you know, ramp up and ramp up and I'm watching the second half and I'm watching the fourth quarter and uh, I think it's a pick six first that gets it kind of right back and, and close again. And you're sort of like... That was a Dandridge one. I yeah. Believe. The guy's just money. And I'm sort of like, all right, you have my attention, right? Like, let's see what's going to happen here. And it just... It didn't, I'll be honest with you, man, it didn't feel possible until it had already happened, right? Because you're down, it doesn't really look like it's going to happen. You got this rookie quarterback in there, and then all of a sudden, you're right there, and it gets forced to overtime, and now anything could happen. Where does that rank? You know, you've been with the team a long time. Where does that rank, you know, as far as regular season games go, obviously there's been Eastern finals and and Grey Cups and stuff. As far as regular season games go, where does that rank in terms of how the team's feeling, the excitement, the vibes, like that sort of, it came out of nowhere. And then it was regular season games, I think probably the top, it might be number one for me and like in my experience, um, definitely at home. We won one on the road in 2016. Yeah, it was in Montreal. And Henry Burris got hurt, and Trevor Harris came into the game, and his first pass is a long, like a long touchdown bomb yeah. to Chris Williams. Okay, that sent it to overtime, and like I was new, like you know, it was my first year, and that was like, you know, exciting. But like, what, like I don't, you know, evenly matched teams early in the season, whatever. But that was, you know, as far as overtime goal games go in the regular season, you know, that that was great. This one like, blew the shit off that one. Like <laughs> it was, it was, yeah, because you always. Especially when you're part of the team, you always feel like you're, and I don't say that just as the PR guy, you go into every, like, in the, especially in the CFL, you go into every game feeling like you can, like something can, ha- something yeah. can happen, like favorite, favorites, dogs, whatever. Sure. Um, but yeah, like I'd be lying if I said I wasn't on the sideline in the first quarter, like when we got our first, first, first down of the game, like in the second quarter. Um, yeah, it was a little, you know. Shit, like, and I like I was gonna give Crumb a mulligan, like two, yeah. two, right? Because he's jumping in. That was his first start after coming in off the bench in Hamilton, yep. and against Winnipeg, and, and and it made sense. Like he, it took him a little bit, like that first half, to kind of settle in. Yep. 
get the pace what am I down. Looking at? Yeah, it's one thing to come off the bench because you're just like you're. It's so it's adrenaline. Time There's to no think about you it. don't have, and yep. it's the same thing in hockey. A goalie comes in like, and the rookie goalie comes in when the starter gets hurt and he lights it up. Yep. Um, you just like you're not. You're just running on. All vibes. you're thinking about is yep. not falling down or whatever. <laughs> um, so but like starting a game, you know, you go through the whole week knowing you're starting. You're taking the reps with the first guys. You're, you know, you're the guy through all the team meetings. You hear all the shit in the media about, you know, you and how you're probably going to get the shit handed yeah. to you by the bombers who are, you know, yeah. a really good team and have been for, for several years. So I think that goes to Dustin too, just not getting in into his own head. Cause I think with him, it was, it was, I don't think it was nerves. I think it was just getting settled in the, in a CFL game as a starter for the first time. Sure, and, yeah. and once that clicked, it was, you know, he saw things, you could tell he was seeing things differently and. Yeah, when that pick six happened, you're like, all right, yeah, <laughs> let's yeah, yeah. Like, let's see what happens. And yeah. you know, if you've been around the CFL long enough, you know that last three minutes of a game, mm-hmm. like, do not leave <laughs> unless you know they're the other team's up by three or four touchdowns. Like, don't leave because it's there's some, something weird's going to happen, and that's the, the and yeah, that was amazing. Like even the one it, that, it's even a, the one that tied it. I'm normally I'm not a jump up and down celebrate kind of guy, but when they tie it, like. There, I'm sitting there at the cottage with the team. I'm like, oh, like yeah. more shock almost than joy. Like you tie it, it you gotta, you know, you go for two, yeah. you get it, you a couple of two point. And then you've got your crazy rookie quarterback decided <laughs> to put the team on his back and like running it. Gonna, and he was determined because the game before in Hamilton, he almost got him back yes, at the end. Yes, he was stopping the one, and he yep. got and he and he had said after he's like, I wasn't wasn't going to happen this time. <laughs> I, I believe that that's what he you know that's what he was saying. He's like, yeah, I'm yeah. not getting, and I don't think anyone touched him on the way in for that <laughs> one. So, um, yeah, it's it's you get the highs and the lows in this league, man. But like, and it's weird because we won the the overtime game in Calgary the following week. Yep. Which is just as exciting, but when you win a game like that on the road, you almost don't realize that you won because it's so quiet. Right. Like, there's no reactions. No, so you're like, what, wait, was there a flag? Was there a, like, did they yes. drop it? Like, what was... So it's a totally different of course, yeah. kind of vibe. Like, just, you know, it's huge. But, yeah, winning at home in overtime after the kind of the struggles we've had at home over the, over the last couple of years, it was, it was... Like, forget the regular season. That's in my, you know, Red Blacks games, probably top... Maybe top three, like yeah. winning the Grey Cup, East Final. Yep. Um, and in terms of like no one expecting us to do it and surprising wins, yes. that was easily the like right up there. It was so much fun to watch that game because, like we've talked about, it just it was not on the table as one of the possible outcomes, right? Like it was, and every yeah, everyone was a bit emotional. Like I was like just like say a guy like Dustin like coming in and doing that, and it, yeah, it was a it was a really cool yeah. cool thing to be part of. So. We've, we've talked about more to come on that front. We've talked about this team battling through some injuries. We've we've not touched on one pretty crucial one that someone at this table suffered. Oh here shit! As this season went along, would you care to tell us that story? And well, I may as well now. Yeah. Sandbaggy Magoo over how have, here. How have you recovered? Are you um, okay? Off? <laughs> I'm fine now. Thank you. Um, thanks to the you know our talented team of medical yeah, professionals yeah. and. The Having physio that I'm now going to the actual players to attend to. <laughs> so yeah, so the backstory, which makes it like only moderately less ridiculous, <laughs> is that I had previously dislocated my right shoulder two years ago. Okay, um, and it, as anyone will tell you, if you've dislocated a shoulder before, once you've done it once, it's, it's a going a little in. bit easier to do it a second time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so when we were playing Edmonton at home, 
the first, you know, our first big home win of the season. Uh, Marco Dubois, our fullback who has never scored a CFL touchdown before, took a, I think it was, a, it might have been a screen and ran it. Well, I didn't know it was a touchdown initially because halfway as he was running by the bench, I jumped up and like fist pumped like I've never, like into the air, like I never have before. And my shoulder came fully out of its socket. pumped so hard. Like I, I jumped and, oh, there's video of it. Our, GM, <laughs> our our general manager, Sean Burke, was kind enough to circle me on the team, like the film and like send it to me. And uh, That's anyway, going to be on behind the arc. Everyone's seen the, behind the e- everyone's seen the video, but, and it's, you know, we won the game. So it turned into kind of a fun story. And, yeah. but I was literally standing next to one of our team doctors and <laughs> after it happened, I knew, like, I knew exactly what happened. And so I, <laughs> I grabbed him. I was like, hey, Doc, I need you to come with me for a minute. <laughs> and he looked at me like I was crazy. And I was like, yeah, just pop my shoulder. I was like, all right, come with me. So we went back to the medical room, which I've never been in as a patient. No. Nor, you know, that's not the goal. You got a team out there and going to war. It was ridiculous. I wish I had been mic'd up for that one. <laughs> yeah. Josh should have had a mic up for that. But like, yeah. he's basically like the treatment table. He's like, lie face down on it, let your arm dangle. And, and he popped. It was the se- most seamless thing. Didn't even hurt. Like I think he'd done three hundred of those before. Like it's yeah. not it wasn't his first rodeo popping his shoulder back no. in. But he pointed out that it was a lot easier for me because I wasn't wearing shoulder pads because I was not a player. <laughs> uh, so that was great. Complete I, lack of muscle. <laughs> so I came back out on the side. I missed like two minutes of the game. I was it was pretty good. And yeah, you were a warrior. You came back and with a sling on, <laughs> yeah. which he told me I had to wear. <laughs> That's and a, so I had players coming out to me on the bench in the second half, being like, "Were you wearing that at the beginning of the game?" <laughs> I'm with you guys. Ka- I got Kahari, hurt. Kahari Jones, our offensive coordinator, was when I told him post game what happened, he was like doubled over, like he couldn't talk. He was laughing so hard. <laughs> and so yeah, it's been it's been a bit of a thing. I, well, after a loss, people suggest to me so that hard. I do it again yeah, to get yeah. back. So that's I'm probably not going to do that. But <laughs> um, yeah, I'll do anything for this freaking team. And um, not my most shining moment. But it was pretty funny. I, I think if we had lost the game, I, you, you would have just seen a Hoff-shaped hole in the wall as I <laughs> beelined it out of the stadium. But um, no, yeah, the, the, it's a, you know one to tell hal- the grandkids one day. I oh suppose. sure, no, there's something hilarious about the idea that you know all these players are out there going to war, and the doctor is back with the PR. The guy. players have pointed <laughs> this out to me. Yeah, exactly. I'm sure. Like Devonte De- Devonte Demon, who had shoulder surgery recently. <laughs> Uh, to fix his shoulder that's keeping him out the rest of the year. He comes up to me at practice. He's like, hey, man, you want to like, compare notes? Like, <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> he's like in a sling all like bolted together, and I'm just the soft PR guy. But um, I celebrated so hard. You know, they, they, you, you get chirped because they love you, right, or some, okay. something like that. So I'll just I'll take it. Sure. That's, yeah. I, I guess that might be the reason. I think Bob Dice just looked at me and like, shook his head and yeah, chuckled like, and just uh, was like, this well, come guy. on. Yeah. <laughs> Great stuff, man. Love that. I, I've I've found out that at forty years old, I am now capable of throwing my back out with a sneeze. Like that's a thing that can happen. <laughs> and like, I don't want to have to have surgery on my shoulder if I do it again. So now I'm very careful when I cheer. I like, I use my I left use hand. My left hand. <laughs> yeah. Fist pump with the other side. All of our doctors now. We have a few that rotate in for games, and yeah. they're all like, "So I heard. I know. I know exactly <laughs> what you're gonna say. I'm, don't talk to me." Uh, let's move on to the sixty sevens because. It's the beginning of the season. I've always been sort of curious. It's got to feel a little like, like when do these guys, when will they start rolling back into, to- uh, into town on mass? It's starting, going to start soon because camp starts at the end of August. Yeah. Uh, I actually ran into Dave Cameron and our head coach today. He popped down, uh, I think after going to the gym because the guy's a just legendary <laughs> in shape dude, but he comes down to check out Red Black's 
practice the odd time. So we were uh, chatting a little bit before before the game, before the or during the practice, and just getting you know he's fired up. The guys are going to start rolling in. The local guys are here, some of them, and coaching staff is here, and everyone's just kind of getting set for this for camp in the season actually the basketball the blackjacks just finished their season so the court's gone and they're just the ice isn't back in yet but the boards are back up (laughs) and the glass will be there soon and they'll start getting the ice in so we're like it's kind of insane to me like i always i've done this for so many years now and i'm still surprised when all of a sudden it's mid-august and we have to start thinking about hockey honestly because like the first couple preseason games are usually like right around labor day and yeah it's easy uh it's much earlier than the nhl and one of the things i wanted to ask you about is it, it has to feel a little like for especially first year guys kind of going away to college, right? Like you're showing up, you don't really know anybody yet, and you're going to get set instead of in a residence, probably with a, um, I can't believe the term is uh, is escaping me right now. The families who take the billet families, the billet families. Yeah. Thank you. Good job, Matt. You're, you're doing awesome here. Uh, That's what I'm here for. The billet families. And I'm curious a little bit about that process. I know teams sort of have a list and some people that they have relationships with. How early do you start to, as an organization, pair people up or like, obviously at some point this kid and his parents are going to want to meet the billet family probably before they're dropping them off to live with these people. Like, what does that look like it's, if you're your first year as billeting with something? Yeah. So I, I, I don't want to speak out of term, but I think, I, I think it's happened already. Okay. Um, so obviously you're, you're returning guys, you know, have their billets barring any, you know, changes. You know, sometimes families move out of town and can't, sure. you know, so you shuffle that up. But for the most part, the returning guys go back to their billets from the previous year. And then, yeah, they're, Man, I can't. I can't imagine like both as a kid, like being you know sixteen, or as the parent of that kid being like, you know, off you go. Yeah. Um, well, especially like it might be one thing if you're sort of from Kingston, you can drive up and check yeah. on your kid all the time. But if you're from like Windsor or Thunder Bay, right? Like, so it's a big, it's a big, you know, it's a big responsibility for us. Like we take that we take very seriously in terms of placing the billets, um, with or the kids with billets that are you know are going to kind of work. You know, personalities are mashed, and we just you know find the best fit for these for these young guys coming into camp. And yeah, so you you come to we have a big dinner at the beginning of training camp or during training camp where the you know pa- uh, players bring their families, billets come, and everyone kind of mixes and mingles and gets right. to know everyone. And then yeah, once you know kind of camp's done, then you're here and you're living with a a new family. With, and it's awesome because some of these families have other kids, younger kids, sure. and like you, you see some of these groups together like these like the younger kids in the family just idolize of they're, course I'm you know they're big they're with... big 67's yeah. billet brother who's <laughs> who's there and so and at the end of the season we always have a big appreciation thing for for those families and it's always tough for those kids to say goodbye to their their billet families either you for still the last see it all the time the when season. kids win a kid when guys win the cup half the time their billet parents are or billet families they have been invited, right? Been given yeah, tickets it's to the huge. deciding game, come down on the ice. Like these are relationships. It's, that, it's a ma- It's like it is like a second family. Like you have to. It's such. It's so stressful to be a junior hockey player in so many ways and busy. Like you're a lot of them are juggling school, and you know the commitments to the hockey team yeah. and being away from home for the first time. Like every six, no sixteen year old has been away from home for you know that long until they get to that kind of point. Like I don't think I've been away for home from home for that long ever until I, you know, moved, moved out on my own and I'm still at 30 close by to the, yeah, <laughs> just recently. Um, so, and, and Eileen Duffin, who is our, uh, you know, education coordinator and billet court. She, she's the den mother of the 67. She's one of my favorite people on the planet. She's, 
just a wonderful, wonderful person. And she basically makes sure these guys don't, you know, do well in school and live with the right people during the season. She has, you know, a very big behind the scenes job. And that's probably one of the most crucial ones for us. So, so I know that she gets all the credit. Yeah, necessarily your purview. But before that event at training camp, is it common that like parents might drive up with their kid and meet the billets ahead of that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 There's a, you know, big effort to get everyone together and, and meet and, you know, a lot of talking and a lot of like, you're not going to just drop your kid oh, off yeah. at some random family that you Good don't. Luck to you. Yeah. So there's a lot of, you know, these are like, they are kids like at, yep. that, at that age as, as rookies. And so, yeah, you do everything you can to make sure they're comfortable. The families are comfortable. The billets are all, you know, all set with the 97 kilos of food. They're going to need to feed <laughs> these kids every week for the season. Cause they just eat, 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 eat like yeah. normal teenagers eat a lot. Yep turn them into high performance <laughs> athletes and yeah it's uh it, it's a whole thing but yeah no the bill like that's what makes this whole junior hockey thing work or people that give up you know space in their house to be surrogate parents of these these kids for a year or more often so the uh the 67s and well junior hockey in general is fairly cyclical right it goes up and down when you're good you're pretty good and then you sort of understand you might fall back for a little while and then kind of build it back up we're coming off a year where the 67s were very good. Uh, it didn't pan out the way that uh, that the organization was hoping for in the playoffs. But what's the outlook like this year? Is this a year where it still feels like a push for a championship? Or is this a bit of a step back year? What are you thinking for the 67s this year? No, this is going to be a big year for us. I think, you know, honestly, that this year was, the, you know, if you look at two years ago, this coming year was the one we were eyeing as being the, you know, kind of when all these pieces are falling into yeah, place. And, yeah. like, and last year we... Not to say that we were surprised, but the guys just kind of hit it out of the park early and never let their foot off the gas. So last yeah. year might have been a little, and then brought in some more at the deadline. Talent. Exactly. Well, exactly. Yeah. When you get to that point, you're doing that well. But I don't. This year is a year that's. Is you know, we expect this team to be, you know, excellent again and pushing for a championship. And obviously, fell a little short last year. It's a tough league still. Yeah. Um, but you know you got generals, a, you've got but... significant parts of the core back. We've added some pieces, yeah, some draft picks, some uh, you know European draft picks that are gonna that have already committed, and so we've got some young, some new youngins coming in, and then a good <laughs> core of guys that are you know quite a few NHL draft pro- like draft picks and guys that are coming into their draft year. So I think, yeah, like this, it's not going to be a drop off year. It's going to be a year that we're really you know fight a, as much as last year. Once you know you, you come out of the gates that high you're like just we're not stopping and this is <laughs> looking at this year as being a continuation of last year yeah uh anything else hoff i don't know you got feelings on what the sends did this summer anything else on your mind before we wrap up uh, well the leaves are still garbage. garbage um garbage objectively uh it <laughs> doesn't seem that objective. <laughs> it's not it at seems all fairly subjective i'm excited like I, you know how I am with my sons and just, do, you know, yeah. I'm, I'm ready to roll on this year, but I, I think this is going to be a good year for them. It's going to be a, you know, progress year for sure. Um, I'm all about adding a guy like Tarasenko on a one year deal, making a guy like that, a motivated player yep. to, to look for the next Zero big risk thing. for the team. Very little risk. As long as you know, you find the money to, to lock up Pinto, yeah. um, which they seem not they will. concerned yeah. about at all. So I'm not. So I think, um, yeah, man, like. I love Brady Kachuk as the captain of this team. Um, 
See how goaltending goes. A little typecast. Maybe enough with the Mr. Brightside at this point. Yeah, Coming like, to your own it, wedding. Well, we're talking about the crumb puns. Like, at yeah. a certain point, like, something that's awesome. It's like, fun, it's fun, it's it, fun, it's less it's fun, like it's not fun. when they remake the same movie four times. Yes. Like, you just don't need, you know, find a new a new thing. But whatever, don't talk shit about Brady. I will fight you. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah, I just think it's, and a, you know what? it's such gonna... a good young core. Yes. And they're only, like, the stars of this team are only going to get better right now. What do you think the, of the the goaltending? You, did you like the Corpusalo signing? I I think it's an okay gamble. It's just way too long. It's a bit. It's a bit of a. It's a bit of a long contract. Yeah. I'm okay with. It. Honestly, like, you needed another piece like that. The yeah. guy's played in the league. He's a you know a like they gotta be hoping goal. like and two I think years at I the think most it's a front loaded so contract too. So I think you're paying him less than the last yeah. years where you're probably not expecting him in the last couple years to be. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you're welcome for Matt Murray, um, who's not hurt. No, he's not. But. Are we allowed to say that? Allegedly not hurt. He's I don't rich. want to get you sued for yeah. libel. I haven't been sued yet. He's a, allegedly. <laughs> um, yeah, don't get me started. We don't have time to do the long-term injured stuff because no. that's ridiculous. But yeah, um, all for the sense. They're going to be better than the Leafs this year. No, they are not. Yes, they will. They are going to take another significant step forward. I have not. They once. will make the playoffs at least. The Leafs will lose in the first round. Well, that's a reasonable enough <laughs> prediction. The Leafs losing in the first round. Hey, you made it to the second round, not yeah. last year. Um, I've never said this before, or like before this season. I do think there's a reasonable chance this year the Leafs win the division. Uh, <coughs> no. Normally, I've leaned towards Tampa or, or Incor- Boston incorrect. or whatever. But uh, I do think Ottawa takes a step forward. But you know, Pittsburgh just got better with. With the Carlson, how do you how do you like the Carlson uh, Spezza picture, man? man? That that had to hurt a little. Yeah, a little bit, <laughs> a little bit. It did, and him being in the conference again. Yep, don't love. It's big, man. Sixty six in Pittsburgh, sixty eight in Pittsburgh, and now sixty five in Pittsburgh. It's uh, yeah, it's, I mean, good for him. Like get get out of San Jose, and yeah, Pittsburgh seems like a pretty fun place to play for guys. Sure, so bunch of old guys take one last run at it. Yeah, may as well. But I don't yeah, think no, they're no, cup content. I mean, I didn't but, want Carlson back. I like, no. I'd like no that for what it would have cost, and and it wasn't a great fit. Either. It was no, and it's and it is Brady's team now. I have a hard time the idea of bringing back. A, a, ca- a former captain who's yeah. still not maybe not in his prime, but like pretty close. Yeah. Um, the power dynamics there, I don't think would ever Could work. Have been so. uncomfortable. Yeah. Is there anybody left from the Carlson era? Like, there's they've turned over a lot of this roster. Like Brady and Carlson probably never played together, did they? I don't think so. Yeah. It's interesting. Had, yeah. There's a no. listener out there. Let us know at Talking Audio on X. No. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Send us a zeet. Send us a zeet. <laughs> zeet us. Uh, Hoff, as always, man, I appreciate you coming in, doing this. Uh, I, I, as I said, I, I try and ease up a little during the season, but not completely. you got to still come Hit in now again and have a plan. The latter, uh, latter yeah, we're going to do that I'm in the fall down. for sure, because I'm going to try and disappear here for the next week or two again. Uh, no blame you. Yeah. And uh, we'll do it again in the fall at some point. I will let the good listener know in case you missed it the last time we chatted. Uh, Dean Brown on the podcast next week, the voice of your Ottawa Senators. Dino. We'll ask him all about what he thinks of uh, the offseason that the team has had. And, uh, you know, we got into the sports media business a little bit, which here in town took a hit not too long ago. Asked him what he thought about all of that as well. So. Um, Dean was great. When I covered sports for the, Sen- for the Sun for a couple years and I moved to the Sens beat for a little while, Dean and Gord were just awesome to me as yeah. a new the new kid on the beat. So I think that might be the next thing, to have them in together. Oh, that'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. Got a lot of time for those two. See, Dean, Dean doesn't go in for the beer. I don't know Gord. Gord feels like 
he'd have a beer with me. Gord, I, Gord feels like a beer guy. You gotta, you gotta assume. Yeah, I think that's right. So uh, we'll get into that. But for now, uh, for now, yeah. Next week, it's it's uh, Dean Brown. Got a ton of things to uh, to cover with him on the send, so stick around for that as well. Uh, Kevin Mickey from Sportsnet coming up uh, the following week. We'll get into a lot of. We'll probably talk some Leafs, man. They don't get enough coverage around here, right? That's uh, not, not enough people talking <laughs> Toronto hockey. Uh, we'll get into that with him. Some Blue Jays and Hoff. I know you won't miss it. Uh, we'll be talking about All In, the AEW wrestling pay per view at Wembley Stadium coming up towards the end of August. I almost have no idea the words like what the words you just said <laughs> meant. But sure, yeah. Right right in here with you. Well, bud. you know what? If you listen to that episode of the podcast, you'll find out. All right. You'll know all about it. So uh lots still to come this summer uh here around TCA. Thanks for coming in, man. Appreciate it. Always a pleasure. We'll wind it down here for Chris Hoffley. My name's Matt Robinson. Give us a follow on social media at Talking Audio and uh Yeah. Stay safe out there folks. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> What was that? Number one bullshit. Oh, number one bullshit. Why are you so pissy?